What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, and we're just a few weeks away from eating all the food on the table on Thanksgiving dinner, and I can't wait. But it's time for the craziest news that I heard this week, and it comes by the way of Baby Shark. That's right. Baby Shark has officially become YouTube's most viewed video of all time. As of November 2nd, the video has been viewed over 7 billion times. That just like blows my mind. And what I'm picturing is like during this quarantine, like parents locking their kids in their rooms, making them watch Baby Shark while they have to attend this like all important Zoom meeting for their work. But 7 billion times, people, that's insane. The record was uh, held before by Despacito. And I think before that, and I could be completely wrong here, but I do remember Gangnam Style was the first YouTube video ever to reach a billion views. So this is 7 billion. I mean, that means like every person in the world had to watch Baby Shark. That's crazy. But Guinness Book of World Records also states that Baby Shark has more than 22 million likes on the platform, as well as 10 million dislikes, making it the most liked and disliked video on the platform. That means we have dethroned Justin Bieber's baby as the most disliked video on YouTube. So congrats to him on uh, getting off that throne. But that does it for the oddest news that I've heard this week. As always, the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast is sponsored to you by Manscaped. Autumn is in the air, and Manscaped is here to ensure that you don't carve your pumpkins when we're grooming. And by pumpkins, we're actually talking about your boys downstairs. In fact, Manscaped is on a mission to change the way you approach to caring for your balls. Guys, the Lawnmower 3.0, I cannot stress this enough. Men, it's time to really focus. My dad always says, you got to focus on the task at hand. And let's focus on taking our taking care of ourselves downstairs. The Lawnmower 3.0 has precision trimming that will not cause any nicks or anything like that. That could be like the worst thing ever is nicking yourself when you're shaving. So, guys, the Lawnmower 3.0, even gals, if there are men in your life this holiday season that need to take care of themselves down there, the Lawnmower 3.0 is the way is the way to go. Also, they have a a new product that I'd like to talk to you about. Their new Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer uh, uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming. So, you know, those delicate nose hairs in and around your nose, you're not nicking your nose, you're not causing a serious nosebleed. We've all been there. But I want you guys to experience this firsthand, and I want to help you out here for the holidays. So I'm going to give you an awesome, awesome package here. So to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com, you're going to use the code LAZYEYE at checkout. That's right. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code LAZYEYE. That's manscaped.com. Use the code LAZYEYE. Make your balls a priority this fall. This is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. So you're probably looking at this week's title thinking, who is this marathon panda guy? Well, the backstory behind this week's episode is back in 2018, I ran the Providence Half Marathon, and that's the least important part of the story. I met this guy named Maurice Lohman, and I found out that this guy has been running every single day since January 1st of 2016. So over 1,700 days, this guy has been running at least a mile a day. I think he's averaging at this rate six miles a day. 
But I think the reason why he runs every single day is exactly why I wanted to have him on the podcast. So this week's interview is a, is a great story of second chances, of finding the more positive outlooks on life. And as you can see from the title as well, chasing that natural high. So Maurice, you know, his story and the way that he tells it, you're going to really tell that this guy has a, a positive attitude, but his energy and his the way that he carries himself, it's infectious. And I hope that's what you gain from this week's episode is a, a, maybe a, a brighter smile on your face, uh, you know, looking at each day and being thankful for the opportunity to wake up and do what you love, do what you're doing, whatever it may be. So without further ado, I'm very excited to share this incredible story. So here is my friend, Maurice Lohman. All right. Well, today I want to welcome on a very special guest, Maurice Lohman, who is better known as the Marathon Panda, joins us today. Now, Maurice has been running every single day since January 1st of 2016. So as we record it here on July 21st, 2020, you are on Run Streak Day 1,663. Is that correct? 63 was yesterday, 64 will be 64 today, is today after our, after our <laughs> meeting. <laughs> yes, yes. But the reason why you started running your journey is why I wanted to bring you on today. So Maurice, thank you so much for coming on. It's an honor to get to chat with you today. My pleasure, my honor, brother. I'm wicked excited to be on here with you. I really am. Awesome. How are you today? Um, I know you, you were working earlier today, so the run hasn't happened yet. But right after this, you're going, you're going to go hit the road? Right after this, I'm lacing up, and I, I have to get the run in before midnight, so that, yes. that's a given. Um, and I do have a plan of a, a minimum of, of a 10K, so definitely awesome. some miles to be eaten up tonight. Yeah. So now every story has a beginning. I always like to start, you know, every story has a beginning. I don't want to jump into the middle. I don't want to jump right to the end. So I want to start at the beginning of your story. You, you're, you, you know, you've been in Rhode Island, I, I want to say, all your life, correct? Correct. So where did you grow up originally in Rhode Island? Uh, East Providence, okay. town of East Providence. And what was, what was life like in East Providence growing up as a, as a kid? And what was your life like given, you know, like grade school up until high school? Um, I, I like that question a lot because I really, um, my, that time of my life really shaped who, um, who, I, who, I, who I am. And I want to touch on this. Uh, my story is, no, is, no more, is not one bit more special than anybody else's, but I'm just wicked excited that I've made it to a point in my life where people want to hear my story. Um, yes. So thank you again for having me on. I, I'm, I'm biracial, so I'm half black, half white, whatever kind of you know, term you want to use, mulatto, interracial, biracial, very proud of that. So my, my dad's black, my mom's Italian and Irish. I grew up in a very modest, middle-class, beautiful suburban neighborhood. Went to public mm -hmm. schools, my parents did not make a lot of money, but they sacrificed everything to make sure my brother and I had a nice, a nice upbringing. So for example, um, and it took me, I'm 41 years old, it took me to be this old to realize how good I had it back then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but um, it, it gave, when I, I touched on the biracial thing, especially now with everything that's going on um, yes. in our culture and in our society, I grew up and I'm very grateful for the opportunity where and, and not to just put labels, okay? And I, and I don't, I ne when I speak, please know that there's never, I never want to offend anybody. I'm strictly a one love for everybody. I don't care the color, the background, the, the, I don't care about that stuff. I have love and respect for everybody. So when I speak my stuff, it's just my story. I never want to offend anybody. But I had the opportunity to kind of be treated as a young black male and as a young white male. 
because right. some folks some folks see me and they don't see me as a young black male. They see me as maybe maybe he's just you know um, a very Damn. tanned Portuguese <laughs> or Italian or something right. like that. You know what I mean? Maybe he invested in a tanning bed um, salon <laughs> and had a donate, something like that. You know, um, so that it gave me a unique perspective where. And I like to joke around and, and make light of it because it's not serious. I'm, I'm excited about it. So, and I made this joke for years. Um, my white friends would kind of make fun of me for liking hip hop and my hip hop, my black friends would kind of make fun of me for liking rock music. So, and, and yeah. I'm just kind of trying to touch on the fact that I had the, I had the opportunity to see things um, from a couple of different perspectives growing up. So but I don't want to spend too much time on that, but that, that's where I was trying to go with that is that I had the opportunity to, to learn from a couple of different perspectives. And, and I've said this recently, especially, especially with all the racial climate stuff going on. Um, I've been the darkest person in the room and I've been the lightest person in the room, okay? Mm -hmm. and, I've, and, I've, and I've benefited and I've been treated as such, if that, if that makes sense. So I've witnessed, for, I've witnessed firsthand what's, with what someone of color goes through, okay? And I've also, and I've also been on the flip side if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I embraced the Docker. Um, the, I, I just, I always viewed myself as being Docker skin. So I embraced that side, but I was always proud to be, you know, biracial. Like I love right. my, my, you know what I mean? I, um, my mom's white. My grandmother made me homemade St. Patrick's day sequined uh, fall leaf clover vest for St. Patrick's day. And I wore them to elementary school. Um, yes. And you know, and I, maybe I, I, I do remember facing some, some couple of racial slurs with that one, but I mean, that was in mm -hmm. the eighties, you know what I mean? That, that right. kind of stuff happened back then where it, right. it's a totally different climate now. Um, so growing up in East Providence, I was, you know, I was really, really fortunate. I was in a good public school system. I did a lot of youth athletics, um, never excelled at any youth athletics, but I played them all, CYO basketball, Little League baseball, um, Pop Warner football. Academics was a strong point. Um, and my story continues where I was a pretty, I, I, and I never want to come across just all ego, but I, I realize <laughs> these things. I have some self-awareness now that I'm, that I'm 41 years old. I was a right. pretty special individual at a young age. And part of my story is wasted potential. Um, I had a ton of potential and I, and I, and I, I, I you, um, will have had a loss for words, but where I'm going with that is elementary school, junior high, even into high school, I excelled at being unique, at being charismatic, at, at being strong academically, um, mm -hmm. at being, you know, never afraid to get up and, and answer the question or reading from the class or public speaking and all that stuff. So I was always able to just do very well in school. I loved it. I enjoyed it. Um, and the next part of my story, um, turned into alcohol and substance abuse after high school. So, yes. So I, I want to get to that because you've been very vocal about your, your battle with sobriety, your, your triumph with sobriety and the battle with addiction and substance abuse. But I think you brought up a really good point in that no one is safe from this. You grew up in East Providence with a very, you know, um, you know, upper middle class family that gave you all the opportunities. You said you were very gifted in the sense that you had a lot of opportunities in front of you, but things happen, um, you know, to, to, to use the phrase shit happens, right? Yep. You know, no one like it, it can really capture anybody. So t take me through like, if you will, right. The kind of like where it all began for you as far as the drugs and the alcohol go. So, um, 
junior high drugs and alcohol not even on my radar right. i i went to the dare classes i had a strong viewpoint that drugs and alcohol were not going to be part of my lifestyle or part of my future um i and knew I, think, I wasn't and i think a lot of kids that do those classes or you know have that opportunity to take those classes think immediately like that's not for me i'm never going to do that that's not like i'm never even going to touch those like that's just not even in my radar right exactly and i was yeah. i had a i had a strong viewpoint that i was I wasn't going to be quote unquote a loser and do drugs. Um, right. Even in in my in where where how it landed um in high school in the '90s here in East Providence is, tenth grade was high school. So seventh, eighth, ninth was junior high. Tenth grade was high school. Went into mm. went into tenth grade. Um, very doing awesome with academics. Um, just a pretty not the most popular kid, but I had a cool group of friends. I thought I was pretty right. cool. I, I was into fashion and stuff. I thought I was pretty cool. Um, I thought I was probably cooler than I was, that kind of stuff. Well, um, fashion in the nineties, <laughs> I was going to say fashion in the nineties wasn't much of a fashion. <laughs> um, so 11th grade, same thing. Didn't mm -hmm. experiment with any type of alcohol or, um, or drugs until very, I want to say the summer before my, my senior year, um, it was, and I, it wasn't peer pressure. It wasn't, um, it wasn't that I never want to put the blame on anybody else. I just mm -hmm. decided to, to start experimenting with a marijuana and B alcohol. Now, with that being said, I have always had individuals in my life, my mom, my dad, other family members, uh, maybe some elders, whether it was an uncle or a cousin that have been through things that have said, hey, Maurice, guess what? You're 18 years old. You're going to experiment with marijuana and alcohol. This is what you should not do. This is what you should not do. This is what's right. going to happen. This is what you should not do. Well, guess what? I went against every piece of advice. Yeah. I did everything that I wanted to do. And I was immediately hooked on that. Where can I get my next buzz from? I'm very vocal about the fact that, especially today in 2020, marijuana has a lot of benefits to a lot of people, okay? okay. I, did not, I did not use it recreationally. I did not use it for medical benefits. I used it to get high, and I mm -hmm. immediately was looking for other ways to get high. I mean, when I say immediately, I mean, you couldn't, I wasn't even 19 years old before I was trying, you know, cocaine-laced marijuana joints and, and stuff like that. So. I was putting coke in my blunts. I was introduced to selling cocaine on the streets um, and told myself I would never touch that drug other than putting it in, in the weed because I always, that was my problem. I justified my actions with, I'm not that bad. I'm only right. smoking hot. I'm only drinking. It's not that serious. I'm only selling coke. It's not that serious. Now, here I am, a kid, public school education, um, really, really like a good kid, you know, come from a good family. I had, I didn't need to sell drugs on the streets. You know what I mean? I didn't need it for income. I always had a real job. Um, right. I, I had a paper route. I worked my butt off at Burger King. I party. It used to be called Paperama. You name it. I always was a, I always had a legit hustle and that street hustle, it really drew me in. So by 20 years old, 21 years old, four year colleges were off my radar. Um, college applications were, were being left unattended. You know, um, I graduated high school with honors, um, didn't fill out, didn't follow through with my four-year college plans, mm -hmm. managed to make it through a one-year computer tech school. As I was going to that school, I was working two part-time jobs and trying to be a street hustler. 
that yes. that street hustler mentality was basically just fueling my addiction. It was giving me the the means and the and the opportunity to be around people and drugs and partying all the time. I struggled with that type of lifestyle for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you think? Because I think a lot of kids, especially growing up in more of a you know a, a steady household or you know whatever whatever you want to call it, right? Um, the whole like your parents are telling you this is what if you're gonna do it, this is how you should do it. Or if, you know, this is how you should not do it. Do you think that type of, of pressure kind of like gives you that itch as a kid, at least, especially 17, 18, 19 years old, like, oh, I'm going to do it the way that it told me not to do it? A little bit, but a lot of it was me. Um, I say that it wasn't peer pressure, but mm-hmm. now that I'm, I'm, once again, I, I know I kind of repeat myself. Now that I'm at this age and I have this self-awareness, I wasn't putting myself in the right circles. Right. Okay. There were kids that were getting out of high school and only cared about their four-year plans, okay? Those were the kids that weren't trying to be drug dealers on the street, you know what I mean? So I wasn't putting myself in in that group of people, and I had people, once again, like my parents saying, hey, why are you hanging out with this group? Why aren't you doing this? You said you were going to do this. Um, So the opportunity was there. I just kept making the wrong decision over and over again, and Mm -hmm. the, the and now that I, and, and obviously years and years of regret and, and afterthought and everything, I was just, I was hanging around the wrong crowds, doing the wrong things in my head. I thought it was okay because I had a full-time job. I wasn't right. doing that bad. I was still able to go out and, and pay my own bills and buy my own stuff. And, and in my head, I always justified my actions with, I'm not doing that bad. Right. Um, so like, like I said, in the beginning of the show, you've been very vocal about your battle with substance abuse and alcohol addiction. Uh, most importantly, your fight um, to stay sober with this run streak and everything that you've been doing to stay sober. When was it, when was it that you knew things needed to change? Um, so we're right on that same track, 22, 23 years old, dabbling with, you know, selling bags of Coke, selling bags of weed, all that stuff. Um, yeah. It was, I knew right away that I was partying too hard. I knew I had a problem. I walked into a treatment facility. I wasn't even 24 years old, I don't think. Um, I was a full-time car salesman. I was hustling on the street. I was partying, drinking, getting high every day. Um, And I walked into a treatment facility and just said, hey, listen, you know, my name's Maurice. I have health coverage. I need help. Like, what can you do? Um, I have a drug problem and I don't want to be a drug addict. And they signed me up for group for group meetings. And I just, I, I was halfway ready. I wasn't ready to fully to give it up. And I, and I admit this, I mean, I was showing up to the meetings buzzed. I was, I was leaving the meetings early. I was, um, I was just, I knew I needed help, but I wasn't ready to stop. You're just Um, clocking in. Exactly. Um, And I would, and then I would clean myself up. I would do like a self, like 90 day. Oh my God, you, you're, you did so you're horrible, Maurice, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to, you need to wipe yourself off. And I would just not touch drugs or alcohol for 30, 60 or 90 days and maybe get into exercise or, or get into, you know, I call it retail therapy where I'm going out and buying new outfits or new sneakers or something. Oh, yeah. but it's, better, it's better than buying drugs and alcohol. Um, right. And that's what I would do, but it would never be long-term. It would be, mm-hmm. it literally would be 90 days. It literally would be, Hey, I stayed clean for six months and now this new job thinks I'm a great candidate. I'm hired. I'm making money on the books again. I'm doing great. Oh, right. did you hear Maurice got fired? Did you, you know what I mean? And it became yeah. an ongoing thing where I was bouncing around from job to job. 
I was getting fired. I was ruining relationships. The drug use got significantly worse after just the dabbling with, with coke and weed. I started um, basically doing super hardcore drugs like crack cocaine, um, methamphetamine. Um, I, I used to, and my thing was, I always used to say, I would draw the line and say, well, I'll never sniff coke. And then I started sniffing coke. And then I said, well, yeah. I'll never, I would never smoke this stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, here's the new lines, right. Yeah, exactly. And now I'm smoking the stuff. I would never mm -hmm. touch a needle. And then before you know it, I'm letting somebody put a needle in my arm. Um, over and over, picking myself back up, cleaning my act up, getting a new job, getting fired, or losing that job, losing that relationship, losing that apartment. Um, jail time rehab time, a couple of failed rehab attempts. So basically for a, a period of eight to 12 years, I struggled with maintaining steady appointment, keeping an apartment and, main, and maintaining sobriety. And I was a vicious, vicious, hardcore drug user. I'm not, I don't shine a light on it because I'm proud of it. It's just, it's part of my story. I was to the point where if I was one of your old um, college buddies or high school buddies, you might go home for Thanksgiving and say, oh, you know, Maurice is a great guy, but I don't think he's ever going to change. You know, he, he's, yeah. still hooked on, he's still hooked on that Coke stuff. He, he's, you know, he, he does good for a couple of months and I don't think he's ever going to change. It's always going to be a part of his life. And that's how bad I was. And I, and I don't blame people for giving up hope. I was at the point where a lot of people would give up hope. We're talking multiple trips back and forth to prison. We're talking um, in my early 30s struggling with with hardcore substances where most people would, would learn a 22 year old 24 year old young man gets sent to prison for 30 days it's probably going to be a wake-up call well yeah. for me for me it wasn't it was for the time being um but then i went right back to my old behavior um mm -hmm. so my the biggest message i try to, to try to put through in my story is that if anybody that you know is struggling with with addiction there's always hope i was beyond where people would I was at the point where people give up hope. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break from this interview to hear from our new sponsors over at IPS Surf and Water Sports. This new partnership I'm so stoked about. IPS Surf is an exclusive water sport complex located right on Long Lake in the beautiful lake region of Maine. They offer personalized instruction for a variety of different water sports, including wake surfing, water skiing, and many more. Originally from Westford, Massachusetts, founder and world champion wake surfer Ian Scott found his love and passion for water sports at a very early age. He is dedicated to sharing his years of action sport wisdom with his clients and unlocking that true potential in people that they didn't even realize they had. Guys, entering a new element, especially the water, for many people can be an intimidating journey. So IPS Surf is here to provide a safe and specialized instruction to ensure their customers leave with a smile on their face and that feeling of accomplishment. With professional and qualified instructors, best-in-class towboats, and equipment, IPS Surf is more than ready to host you and your crew out on the lake this summer. It's just two and a half hours north of Boston, and to show our appreciation to our listeners, IPS Surf will be offering two very, very sick packages. We're going to have the normal guy package and we're going to have the lazy eye package. So let me tell you about these. All right. So the normal guy package, you're going to get 20% off a two hour individual session. So you can bring yourself and one of your friends with an IPS surf uh, instructor. This is more for the people that are really 
have an appetite to learn. The Normal Guy Package gives you the best opportunity to focus and improve your skills out on the water. This two-hour session will allow you for that ultimate one-on-one time with a professional instructor centralized on your development. Now, the Lazy Eye Package. This is gonna be your squad package. This is gonna give you 20% off a full day. That's six hours out on the lake with your squad. You could bring eight, nine, 10 of your closest friends. It's a perfect way to get the whole crew out there enjoying the magic of what IPS Surf has to offer. The Lazy Eye Session will include everything you need for an exceptional day out on the lake with over seven different water sports to choose from. Guys, seven different water sports. You're gonna be able to mix and match with your favorite activities for the perfect session you have been dreaming about. We have all been dreaming about what next summer is gonna look like. This is an excellent idea for any family or friends outings, birthdays. It's just the perfect day out on the lake. And if you haven't seen any footage of like what IPS Surf has to offer, let me try and paint this picture. So one of the sports that they offer is called wake surfing, which is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen down on the lake. It's an endless wave created by the boat, and it basically allows you to surf this like clean and customizable wave with nothing directly attaching you to the boat. So they offer this like, it's just this like, you're you're surfing, like I'm a SoCal kid, you're out there surfing, but you're out on the lake. They also have your favorites, including like water skiing and wakeboarding. They also offer more of those like technical sports for more of our advanced folks looking to step up their adventure game here, which is like barefoot skiing. You've seen those videos on on Instagram, wake kiting and surface latest phenomenon, hydrofoiling. So don't just take my word for it. Go visit IPS Surf and Water Sports up in Brigton, Maine, just two and a half hours from Boston to see for yourselves what the hype is all about. Go follow them on Instagram at IPS Surf and go over to IPSSurf.com to book those sessions. Now back to the interview. And you said you said at the beginning, right? Like you try to do it by yourself. How important is it to have a support system that is, like you said, people were, people were starting to lose hope. People may were like, I don't think he's going to change, but how important is it to have that support system or a sponsor or someone that takes you to rehab in a, in a fight like that? Super important. Super important. I say it all the time though. One of the biggest things that helped me drop the drugs and alcohol for good was knowing that I had good people out there that would be proud of me, that would be there for me, that would say, great job, Maurice, you know, we're here for you. I'm glad you decided to make this decision. Do you need a ride to rehab? Do you need a ride to a meeting? My buddy does meetings on Tuesday nights. Did you hear about the new church meeting on Monday night? And yeah. I just, I knew, I always, and I used to make these comparisons in my mind, because even when I was at the, in my darkest corners of addiction, and I don't say this with pride, I say it just to, to shine a light on it, I mean, we're talking male prostitution, we're talking strip club, um, we're talking, that's the kind of stuff I used to do um, to support this drug addiction. Right. And the, there was a piece of me that knew, Maurice, you're living like scum, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, you're living in the underworld, you're living on the streets. There are people out there that love you and care for you and they're living a normal, productive, and I used to say they're in, they're in the real world, and you're, you're in the underworld, okay? Right. You need to pull yourself up. And that I had this self-awareness, self-motivation daily. And I used to tell myself, Maurice, you're better than this. You're better than this. Knowing that I had people out there that still cared about me was a big, big driving factor into making me finally stop. So the support system is huge. And when you're brand new 
to any type of sobriety or recovery, being around people that can share, that can relate. And that's, that's how I got so immersed in the Instagram community. I mean, I immediately mm -hmm. found people that were like, Hey, I'm sober too. Hey, I run every day because if I didn't, I'd go crazy. You know, I'd be going to the liquor yeah. store and picking up a bottle. Um, right. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm not the only one, you know? Yeah. So you've been sober since March of 2015. So I yes. do want to say a, a huge congrats to you on five years here. Um, and here's so many more, right? Um, so uh let's let's kind of let's let's switch gears here to running yes did, did you always have a knack for running were you always like you said you, you did all the sports it, it growing up you know you weren't maybe the best but you did you tried them all were you always did, did running ever like cross your mind is like this is something that i really like it's, i love the question and i'll tell you why because I, I i love answering this question um first of all i love i'm grateful to be called a runner Okay. Cause I'm not, mm. I'm not that. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I know you're not. Okay. Right. You're not leading the charge at the Boston marathon, right. but anyone that tells me that they've been running consistently for four and a half days, dude, I get lit. I, my legs, I ran, I ran three and a half miles yesterday and I've been running like, yeah. I'm at like 180 since quarantine started. So, right, like, so I'm at my, 181 for the month. Yeah. You're killing me, dude. Like, I mean, like, you're like, as much as you say, like, I'm not the fastest runner, dude, just getting up and doing it. You're a runner. It, okay. That's, that's what fuels. So the whole thing is the, the hashtag grateful to be here. It fuels from this. And let me tell you why I love the question. My grandmother, before she passed, used to tell me you're going to be a runner when you grow up. And I didn't know, mm -hmm. I never grasped it. Okay. And this is a cool part of the story. Okay. I'm talking about when I was very young. All right. And this is where the Panda comes in. Okay. Yeah. My grandmother gave me, a, let me try to make this short and, and to the point. My grandmother gave me a panda bear stuffed animal when I was a toddler. I never went anywhere without it. Loved the panda bears um, to the tune of National Geographic posters, you know, asking mom and dad to buy me books on the panda bear. I just right. loved the, I just loved the animal, okay? Plus it was black and white and I'm black and white. So I just, right. I, I, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. I'm a little chubby, so is the panda bear, you know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I, I was like, this is me. Now, when my grandmother used to tell me you're going to be a runner because she used to always compliment me and tell me I had strong legs. I always liked to bike. I always liked to just be outside. Um, never running. Okay. Like I was scared to do the mile in gym class. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was like, Oh wait, can we do this next week? Kind of thing. Or I'm and, sick. I'm not feeling it. Yeah. yeah Cause I like, I, I knew I like, I was, and I'm not, I, I got picked last at basketball. I got picked last at kickball. I mean, I was on the baseball team because, you know, I signed up and my mom brought me to every game, that kind of stuff. I participated. Right. Um, yes. I knew I, athletics was not my strong point. So let's fast forward to when I started getting serious about a change in lifestyle. So I mm -hmm. told you about walking into the Kodak rehab um, clinic. That was way back in like 2000. My first real attempt to get clean was probably 2000 two, three, four, around those years. And I used running as my go-to exercise to feel good. So let's say I had a, a regretful Friday night and I wake up Saturday, hungover, feeling like crap. I would say, let's put on your running shoes. I'll put on any shoes um, and, and go for a 30 minute jog, 40 minute jog, cleared my head. It boosted my self-esteem. It made me feel great. I was never consistent with it because I was always struggling with maintaining sobriety. Right. When I was, when I got super serious about the sobriety and, and started to maintain clean time, this was in 2008. Okay. I'm trying to stay on track here. 2008, I started, um, walked right in, self on my own, 
it was a Christian-based men's rehabilitation program, okay? Right in the heart of the city of Providence called the Providence Rescue Mission. They saved people's lives. They saved my lives. I'm not up here to preach, okay? Um, but it gave me the structure and everything that I needed. It was a pretty strict program. You couldn't leave for the first six months. For the first three months, you can't even leave the property. So yeah. I was forced to do something with myself every day. And I was like, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. If I can't leave, I'm going to run around the parking lot. Um, right. <laughs> people notice. And then, and then, and it just, it all started to soak in. I'm like, yeah, maybe I can be a runner. And I used to have these visions and, and, and like, I can run a long distance. Like I want this feeling to last forever. I was yeah. getting a natural high. It was the first time in my life where I was starting to experience the endorphins and the, and the natural and the feeling good about something that wasn't coming from a substance. And, and my whole thing was, I've seen the worst of addiction. And I know there's people that don't make it out. The fact right. that I made it out, that, that's enough. That's enough for me to be grateful every day. So let's stay on track there. 2008, 2009, finished that program. Unfortunately, had a relapse in 2013, okay? Um, got pretty bad again with the drugs and alcohol. 2015, cleaned my act up again, okay? Yeah. Um, right before that, Okay. Um, so there's another big part of this story. Sorry if I'm getting off track here. No, you so, keep it up. Oh, no, you're doing oh, great. <laughs> oh, so big, big part of this story was 2012. Okay. I had to do almost one year in prison. Okay. Just because of wow. old stuff that was hanging over my head for a long time, you know, charges, um, court fines, more than court yeah. fines, like actual charges and cases that I had to get squared away. Um, yeah. so a lot of criminal stuff in my background and I'm very proud to say that I've, I've made huge steps in that area and cleared up a lot of stuff. We can talk about that if we, if we want in a minute. Um, so I'm in prison for, for like nine months. Okay. And I'm running every single day, no matter what. Um, and cause that's what kept me sane. That's what, that was my little yeah. bit of freedom. Um, right. There was a guy that was known as Mr. Boston. He supposedly had ran a couple of Boston marathons and was in jail for, for mortgage fraud or something like that. I mean, I, sure. I think it was a true story. The guy looked like he could have completed the Boston marathon several times. He had a, <laughs> you he take had a his word for it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah, he had a bunch of cool tips. You know, I was telling him because my whole thing was I wanted to turn my 30 minutes into 60 minutes into 90 minutes into 120 minutes. And I'm thinking yeah. to myself, if I can run for three hours straight, what's stopping me from running a marathon? At this time in my life, I didn't know the significance of the running community, of the sport, of the history, of, the, of anything that has to do with the Boston Marathon, the Chicago Marathon. I didn't know that, okay? Right. I was a little naive to the significance of what goes on. Um, like, for example, I knew that there was a marathon in the Olympics. I, like, I get it. I knew it, yeah. but I was never like, it wasn't on my radar up until yeah. now. So in the back of my head, I tell myself, I want to run the Boston Marathon one day. I mean, who doesn't want to, who doesn't have that dream if they're a runner? Once yeah. again, I didn't understand the significance of the qualifications, the, you know what I mean? The, the charity invites and so forth. Mm. Um, I signed up for my first half marathon while I was still incarcerated. My girlfriend signed me up for this, for this race. It was like a coming home present. It was like a, hey, wow. I can sign up, if I can sign up for a half marathon and complete it, that's a good training. Like this was my, this was my self talk. Like if I can run a half marathon, that's going to get me ready for a full marathon. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Once again, very naive about this stuff. Literally the week after I was released. Okay. 
went to like a Marshalls or something, bought a pair of Brooks running sneakers off the clearance rack because I knew Brooks was a good <laughs> brand associated with yeah. running. I, I had only ever worn stuff like Asics um, and Nikes, you know what I mean? Once again, very naive about a lot of things, okay? Super, super rookie. Buy the sneakers, show up at the race. I'm all signed up. I, they show me where to start. I've never run a, uh, an organized race before. never been to an event like this. Before the event even starts, I see somebody that I recognize from the recovery world. He's also graduated oh, wow. the program that I've graduated in the past. He has a little bit of clean time put together. He's there running a half marathon for the first time. I can't believe it. So I'm already hyped up. I'm already pumped up. Okay. That, that's, that's, that's over. That's stronger than the nervousness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I run the half marathon. I finished the half marathon. The people giving me high fives, the people showing me how to check my time on the board. Now, mind you, I ran it in like one, 44 so i didn't win the thing obviously okay um, my first was an so, hour 40 so that's incredible yeah, so, that, you did really good so i did it in 144 <laughs> and i can remember 140 is awesome um, thank you <laughs> gonna try and so, do it again i hope <laughs> yeah so i did it in 144 and the and i remember a woman telling me wow you killed it you did great great job and that not only the natural endorphin runners high and all right. that, it, yeah. but the, the camaraderie, the high fives, the community aspect of it, the fact that I knew that there was somebody else in recovery at the same event. I saw the guy, he, I saw um, a former, he's a sheriff at one of the local prisons. Mm -hmm. His niece or his daughter or something was competing that day. And he was like, oh my God, brother. He's like, you look great. He's like, good for you. I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? So here, right away, I'm seeing this contrast this, this in life where it's like, Here's a guy that's literally transported me in handcuffs on a bus before, okay? Right. Now he sees me cross the finish line of a half marathon, and he's telling me, great job. You look good, brother. And that, that's got, incredible. Me that got me pumped up. I, I seriously asked myself, I said, where has this feeling been my whole life? Like, if I had this when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, maybe I wouldn't have been chasing the stuff on the streets. Maybe I wouldn't have been so hardcore into drugs and alcohol. Um, and I'm not, to, I'm not to say that youth athletics doesn't deliver that type of stuff right drugs took it away from me drugs yeah. took it away from me um and and i and i'm very that's that's where i want to stay vocal about it if i can get one 16 17 or 18 year old kid that's experimenting with coke right now to put it down and never pick it up again for the rest of his life that's a win for me because when i picked it up for the first time i thought i would be able to handle it i thought that i could be that guy that is a recreational coke user i thought that this was not something that was going to consume my life and ruin my life and just make life disastrous life um you know what i mean the th disastrous things happening in my life over and over again because of that drug so the half marathon happens i complete it i finish it i'm all pumped up i immediately sign up for the next one I, i'm online i'm looking and like those memes and stuff that you see online like it's true you sign up for a race you want to go home and sign up for more and i'm, right. I'm, I'm searching i'm signing up for the next one i'm signing up for the next one I spoke it into existence. Once again, I'm not like Mr. Enlightened over here, but I spoke it into existence. I wanted to run the Boston Marathon. And mm -hmm. not even a year later, I get an email from somebody that's like, hey, you know, my name's Amy. I met you at a half marathon last year. I love your energy. I love your, I love your enthusiasm. I can't, I can't take my charity invite this year. Would you like to take my bib? And would you like to run the Boston Marathon on my wow. charity team? So I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to yeah. be kidding me. I'm like, of course I do. So now I'm starting to understand the significance. I'm a charity runner invited to the Boston Marathon. I'm not fast enough to qualify, but here I am. I, I'm doing, I'm living out my dream. I'm a runner invited to the Boston Marathon. So mm -hmm. my whole thing 
the gratitude, the positivity. It's all so freaking sincere because I wake up every day and I can't believe that I found this community in this sport to literally save my life. Okay. Yeah. Because right. if I didn't, if I didn't have this, if I didn't have the races on the calendar and the events and the organized and the community and the friends on social media, then I might be turning back to my old ways. You know what I mean? Right. Five years is five years is great in sobriety, but it's, I'm still a recovering alcoholic drug addict. I still have those thoughts of mm -hmm. going crazy and, and getting away with one night of drinking whiskey and sniffing Coke. And it's not, it's, I never want to do that. I never want to be in a position where I'm, I think I can get away with one night. I have to consume myself with other things like being on social media saying, hey, my name is Maurice. I'm five years clean and sober. I used to be a hardcore drug addict. Now I run marathons. Um, so I was immediately hooked, joined the Marathon Maniacs Club, ran like three. Four and six weeks. Well, I did, four, four, I did six. Four, four and six weeks my first time running marathons. That's okay? crazy. And then That's I did, crazy. Then I did four and four weeks to start my own hashtag Marathon Tober. Um, and, and just because there was, and that's the whole thing. My whole thing is you including me in this community. Okay. You're inviting me to these events. You're allowing me to, to participate in something that's so freaking when rewarding for me, right. here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to do to show you how excited and grateful I am. I'm going to try to get better at this every single day. So on the days that you're looking at the weather forecast and you're choosing the treadmill, the days that you're looking at the weather forecast and the dew point's too high, the humidity is too high, or it's too cold, or it's gonna rain, or you don't feel like it because you had to work late hours, I'm outside running for you, so don't worry about it. That's my attitude, okay? I love the day that. that. The day that you don't feel like doing it, I'm outside doing it. So don't worry about it, I got it covered. There's a little bit of swag in that statement, but I'm just hyped up to be great. There's a lot of I, swag. That's I, awesome. I have, I have the opportunity to do it. So why wouldn't mm -hmm. I do it? Okay. Yeah. When I was when I was in prison and I was in love with running, I couldn't go outside every day. So I ran in my cell in place for 30 days. And the days that they let me outside was a gift. So now that I'm able to go outside every single day, you, there's nothing that's going to stop me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm very, very grateful um, that I've been injury free, that I've been able to physically get outside and run at least one mile every single day. But the run streak is fueled with that. Hey, look at me attitude. This is what I can do. I went from never even knowing what a 5k organized event was to right. being a multiple world marathon finisher, raising thousands of dollars for charity reaching people. I mean, I had a woman from, uh, from Arizona send me a message one day saying the way that you're so vocal about crack cocaine and heroin abuse and male prostitution allowed me to talk to my brother about it. She's like, thank wow. you. You know what I mean? And that yeah. enough, that, that gave me gratitude to, to fuel me for the next thousand days of run streaking. Do you know what I mean? Some exactly. random person that said, I can talk to my brother now about his addiction because I showed him your page and you talk about it. You know what I mean? You're not hiding right. it. Some right. of the stuff that I went through is not, I'm not proud of it. You don't put it on your resume. You know what I right. mean? You don't open up, you don't open up a conversation with, Hey, I used to be a hardcore crack addict and I turned my life around. Um, so the fact that people are willing to listen to me, the fact that people feed into the energy, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm consumed by it. I'm fueled by it. I'm very, very grateful about it. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I was listening to a podcast you were on a couple of years ago where you, when you first started running, you, you signed up for, for four marathons in six weeks. And I can only yes. think of one other person that's crazy enough to do that. I don't know if you've heard of her, uh, Becca Peasy. She so is, I met her. Yes. So she was on the podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago. Awesome. Insane story. And I think you, you got to be next, right? You're going to do seven marathons in seven days or what? <laughs> so, um, that's a, that's a, that's a wish list item right there. I've met another mm. individual that's done that. He's a Rhode Islander and it's crazy. You meet these people like, and I get it. I know I'm like, Hey, look at me. I just ran one mile outside. Big deal, Maurice. You ran one mile outside. <laughs> There's people right. that have been doing it for 20 years and they're not on social media. So I get that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I met, I met Becca at the Falmouth road race a couple of years back. And I think it was right. I recognized her from social media and knew that she was a seven marathon and seven day, um, the world marathon challenge finisher. Yeah. Um, so I congratulated her. I asked her if I could get a selfie. She was wicked, wicked, cool, wicked, wicked. She's humble. awesome. She's and, awesome. And the fact that someone like that, it, it, it just, you meet so many people. One of my new best friends, his name's Chip. He's a coast guard guy. He was my first Instagram meetup, like that we we met at a race, and he was like, "Hey, are you more? Are you Marathon Panda? Are you?" I used to call myself Ferrari Panda before I called myself Marathon Panda because um, I have Ferrari dreams. Um, and and he was like, "Hey, are you Ferrari Panda?" I said, "Yeah, you're running ship," and like and it, and we clicked and we became yeah. friends. Before you know it, I'm crashing at his house for the next big race event. Uh, my me and my girl are crashing with him and his wife. We're going to you know Falmouth or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So it. It, it's just the, it's the, my coach, Rory says it all the time. It's the people that you meet along the way. It's the friends that you meet along the way. This sport in this community has allowed me to live a higher quality of life. Bottom line, bottom line. And that's the way I look at it because it's allowed me to give up addiction. Okay. Yeah. Yes. My church friends. Yes. The fact that, you know, I have um, a faith based, you know, I'm faith based right now. Yes. That's a huge part. But the running, the social media, the hey, Maurice, great job. Oh, my God. Congratulations on the sobriety. That's what fuels me, brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you talk a lot about it, right? Like always having positive vibes. I, I don't think I've ever seen an Instagram story where you're not smiling. You're not screaming at the, at the camera. Um, <laughs> like, has there ever been any roadblocks during this run streak? Has there ever been a day where you wake up and you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can do it, but I don't want to like paint this in a negative light, but I think just like if you sit back and realize I've been running every day for the past four and a half years, not stopping. Like there had, was there ever a moment where you're like, this is getting to be a lot. Yeah. So physically, physically there was a couple of days, um, yeah. but here, but here's the thing. So here's a, here's a cool, here's a cool part. Um, in 2000, so I just celebrated my one year anniversary at the new sales position. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I got laid off from my full-time sales position a few years back. Um, so probably a couple of years into the streak, okay? Um, I knew, I, I said, Maurice, you can't walk around calling yourself Mr. High Fives and Positive Vibes if you're going to be upset about being laid off. So right. the whole thing, the run streak saved me again. Like, I was bummed about being laid off. It caught me by off guard, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. huge drop in income for the, for the time being like all that stuff that goes through your head. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to do this? I was getting ready to do this. So when I got laid off, um, it caught me off guard, but I had the run streak. I had the little Instagram post to keep me positive. I had the, right. Hey, you know, I'm not going to, I, that's that literally I, that held me accountable. I was like, you're not going to not be positive. You're not going to not go outside and run tomorrow morning just because you lost your job. You're going to stay positive and you're going to get a better job. The other thing is that's what makes it a streak. 
there have been plenty of days where I have not felt like doing it, okay? Um, and there's, so the, there are days that I haven't felt like doing it and I right. won't upload a positive video because I won't put up anything that's not authentic. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. if, there's a, if there's a three day span where there's no hype video, it's just because I haven't, I haven't made a hype video in three days. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put up something that's not real. And that's my other thing is I like, to, I, I take a lot of pride in being that unfiltered person on, on the social media. There's way too many filters and way too many people. You know, I, I say, I say working, not posing. I'm working, not posing. I might not be Agreed. as fast as you are, but I'm not posting a picture from a run I did, you know, seven, you know, and, and I know I'm not yeah. trying to offend anybody. No, right? The whole, you're right. My yeah. whole thing, my whole thing is, Hey, look at me. I just did this today. No matter what. Yes. I got laid off. Yes, we just had a loss in the family. Yes, you know, today stunk. Yes, I got yelled at by my boss. Yes, I got sent home from work. Um, yes, my bills are late. You know what I mean? All of these things, we all go through stuff. So when, when we lost my, my son's mother two years ago, Melissa, she passed away unexpectedly. It was another scenario. It was another moment where I was able to just reflect on what the run streak and the Instagram and the social media and the running community meant to me, because that's where I turned. I didn't, I'm still dealing with that grief. Okay. And I'm just trying to be as open and transparent as possible. It's not easy. Okay. So for people that are out there that have just lost a loved one, I don't have any answers. I'm not up here to tell you what the answer is, but I, I had something to turn to. And I'm very thankful for it. I, I knew that I could go out running that night. Right. I knew that I could, you know, put a post up on, on social media and be like, hey, guys, it's Mo. It's Mo. Family just suffered a loss, but we're out here. And, 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 and a lot of people reached out a lot. And it didn't, it didn't, it didn't fix it, but it, right. it helped me. It helped me. The whole staying positive through the layoff helped me. Um, and, I, and I am that positive and that grateful because I've been in positions where I've had nothing where I've lost everything, where I didn't think that I would have bright days like this. I used to literally dream of putting myself back in a full-time sales position, working on health and fitness, um, potentially, you know, continuing my education. These are all things that I'm able to do right now. I work part-time at a fitness studio. I work full-time in sales. I'm getting better as, you know, my, my, my hobby, my passion is running. And it's right. something that if you want to get better at, all you're going to do is work harder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and kind of going off that, just like, I mean, running every day for four and a half years has to do, has, you have to do some sort of training for it. Like what, like what, like your coach, Lori, you, you've, you've shouted out here a couple of times. I know she's, she's a big fan of yours. Um, like what goes into a day? Like, do you, is there always a plan like like the day like the, the night before like tomorrow it's it's eight point five or like tonight you said it's definitely going to be a ten k like what's the plan every single day that you attack this run streak? So cool question. When I first started the run streak, it was a lot of just hey I can run today. I got ninety minutes before I need to come home and shower and get to right. work, so I'm going to go right. run for ninety minutes. Yeah. Tomorrow I can only sneak in 60 minutes. So I'm going to sneak in 60 minutes. Saturday, I don't have to go to work. So I'm going to, I'm going to run for three hours. I'm going to run until I feel like I'm going to pass out. And that was my, that was my plan. Then when I started signing up for the races, I was just signing up for everything. Anything that I could afford to register for and afford to travel to. So I was very local, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Connecticut. Um, yeah. I signed up for it and I went. Cool part of the story is Coach Lori reached out to me and, and after she saw the four marathons in October, was like, hey, 
great job lacing up and completing these four marathons. You know, not a lot of people can do that. Right. Um, however, if you were ever interested in following a structured plan, executing that plan, training for a specific goal, a time goal, a pace goal, whatever it is, and executing that plan on race day, let me know. I'd be happy to help. Mm-hmm. Once again, here's somebody with years and years and years of running experience, life experience, just a much wiser person than me reaching out offering and i love it i love it the fact that someone's willing to take their time to make me better um i love it and i am so grateful for it i immediately said yes she started writing me um you know 16 week marathon training plans so to answer your question directly yes the mature maurice marathon panda has started following a plan a rest day for me is a one mile run around the block or skip around the block as you like to call the it block yeah to get the gps to log one mile now i'm very honest about and, and open about this is there are some one mile days where i'm literally just shuffling you know mm-hmm. the legs are tired i ran a marathon the day before i ran yeah. an ultra marathon the day before you know what i mean so i'm just shuffling at a 13 minute pace a 14 minute pace to log that one mile to say that the streak is still intact however very proud of the almost 10k a day rolling average since january 1st 2016 so just in case you think those mile those miles <laughs> skip around the blocks are happening too often we're keeping that average up at a 10k a day baby yes. 10k cereal keeps the demons away <laughs> <laughs> yeah going off that you know like you said you do do a skip around the block because it's probably because you ran a marathon or whatever the day before 50k i saw that in your new bio you did that recently. You've run 28 marathons as it stands today, correct? Not counting the virtual ones under quarantine yeah, yet. Yeah, you've run three under quarantine, correct? Oh, three I virtual. love the fact that you're paying attention, brother. Always, I love baby. It. <laughs> <laughs> so three virtual marathons on your own on your own path, just yep. 26.2, create your own course. So we'll call it 31 marathons. And 150K, and then I, I don't even want to know how many half marathons if you've been if you were signing up for them weekly. But, um, like, and you also say you're a big charity runner. Um, and one charity specifically, in particular, the Rett Syndrome Association of Massachusetts. Can you tell the listeners or, and tell me a little bit more about that association and how it got you involved and how maybe people can get involved? So it's a rare disease that affects mostly young females but can sometimes affect young males as well mm-hmm. um and it's a neurological disorder i'm not fully versed on it um it's a it is considered a rare disease and it's severe it could it could leave a toddler bedridden um or it could it has um developmental delays in in the youth so a teenage girl might look normal but still has some some delays um and i don't and i, and I might not be using the right terminology I'm very fortunate to be hooked up with that charity through Coach Lori Mitchner. She reached out to me and asked me if I would like to be part of the team. Um, and that's another thing. Addiction is a disease, okay? And I, and I, and I full-heartedly believe that. However, mm-hmm. I am not naive or insensitive to the fact that there are people out there that don't view addiction as the same type of disease as a cancer as a rare disease, as a syndrome, because those folks, they don't get to choose it. And I chose to pick up the drugs and alcohol 
day after day after day. So I get it. I get it. And I, I always like to, to shed some light on that. So the fact that I'm in a, I'm at a point in my life where I can raise money and awareness for those less fortunate than me, um, or those that don't have the same voice, or those that can't go out and run 10 half marathons in six months and post all about it on social media right. and be like, hey, look at me, I'm running half marathons, I'm passing out high fives and positive vibes, I'm staying sober. Like, I get it, I have a lot of opportunity, I have a voice, I have a platform, I don't wanna take it for granted. The fact that somebody, that the fact that I'm able to use my legs, my voice, my role, my platform, the fact that I'm able to use that for some good and raise money for charity, it, it benefits me because it helps me deal with the fact that Maurice, you know, you're doing something good now. You're, you're giving back for the years. And one of the, one of the cool things I read one time, um, I am going to give up taking and take up giving. I've taken enough my whole life. You know what I mean? I've always kind of expected things to just go my way. I've been very fortunate with things fall, fall, fall the, 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 the cards fall in my favor. Um, a lot of times. So I'm in this position now where I can help others. If it's just something as simple as running uh, where I get so much joy from and I'm able to raise 6,000, 7,000, the goal for this year and, and the goal is still up um, for, is, is $10,000 for, yeah. for Rett syndrome. If I'm able to do that, that's a huge win in my book. That's a huge right. win. Definitely. Um, I got to ask, you know, you got the run streak going, you got the marathons going, you did three, three virtual marathons all by yourself. You didn't, no one had to tell you to do it. You just went and did it on your own. <laughs> what's, what's the next goal? What's like big picture. Give me something big here. What's the next goal for marathon Panda? Um, to continue to, to get better at, in my professional life. Um, yeah. cause I'm, I'm wicked excited to be back in that role, learning and growing. Um, I'm really, really, really excited and grateful for that. Um, and then I have iron dreams. I really do. Um, and when I say it, I don't say that lightly. I know that it would take some serious, serious, um, training and commitment to become an Ironman. Um, I would start at the half level, obviously, like mm -hmm. a lot of folks do. And I would probably start even lower than that, um, with maybe a sprint or Olympic distance. I am not experienced at all in, um, in competitive swimming. I'm not afraid of the water. I know how to swim and I have a couple of uh, real swim lessons under my belt. It's I'm in funny love you with say the bike. That. It's yeah. funny you say that. Becca has Iron, Iron Man, Iron Woman dreams as well. That's, that's her, one of her next goals. She, she said to me too, like the swimming thing is like the one hurdle that she's, she's going to deal with. I yeah. swam in college. I told Becca this and I tell you this. Oh. If, I, if you're ever in the area or I'm ever in Providence again, I swam at PC. So if you, if you have, if you want a swim lesson, it's on me, man. I'm more than happy to give you some. Sign me up. For sure. Sign me up. You are, <laughs> you are a real swimmer. You are. <laughs> yeah, I was a distance swimmer in college, so I know well, all too well about swimming. <laughs> kudos for you. Cause I always say stuff like that. Like I'm so grateful to be included in this community with people like yourself, former division one athletes. Do you know what I mean? I mean like that's a big deal um mm -hmm. and i and i don't and i don't take that um for granted and i think it's so cool for example we got to share the cost at the providence half marathon um yeah. and i know i know every time that i'm out there that i'm with individuals like you a former d1 athlete someone that just loves health and fitness someone that just loves the community aspect of it and i'm like i'm so excited to be hanging out with people like you because i wasn't before Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps me coming back. And I, and mm -hmm. I've heard, I'm very drawn to the ultra community as well. 
So I volunteered yeah. at my first ultra event um, with Lori and, and her partner in crime, Paul. I volunteered at the first, my first ultra event. I was immediately hooked. I wanted to do it. I did a virtual ultra this year. I ran across the state of Rhode Island last year. That was a 15 hour wow. ordeal. Um, that was to raise money for first responders. That was really cool. Um, that was a total of 58 miles in 15 hours of clock time, but 12 and a half hours of moving time on the feet. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, so I'm hooked. I got that ultra itch. I want to see myself doing some 50Ks and 50 milers. And I do want to see myself compete in some sort of um, triathlon very soon. Like within 18 months, I'd like to complete um, a, not a 70.3. That might mm. be the two-year plan. Um, yeah. <laughs> but a I'll, give you, I'll give you that. I'll give you a chance right. to do that. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Um, but I can, I can bike and run. I'm not the yeah. fastest, but I'll keep going. Um, yeah, for so sure. Now I, but I'm not naive to the fact that swimming is, is, a, is a different beast in itself. And, and any type of distance swimming is a, is a huge commitment to, to form, to breathing, to, to endurance and all that stuff. So I got to build, 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 build. And you just offered me a free lesson. So I'm taking it. <laughs> Obviously. Anytime, man. Um, so I got a couple last questions. I know you got a run coming up here shortly. I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too long, but we've talked about it kind of throughout the entirety of the episode. As you continue to do this run streak, you continue to stay sober. What is the message you're trying to send individuals, you know, that, that one individual or a group of individuals that were in your shoes seven, eight years ago? Um, well, another cool message I got from, from my pastor at the, at the church here in Princeton, Rhode Island, praise Tabernacle, Pastor Allen says, where you are right now is not where you always have to be, okay? And if you think about that for a second, it doesn't just apply to someone struggling with alcohol or drugs. Maybe you're not happy that the, in the career that you chose, that you went to school for for four years or eight years. Maybe you're not happy in the relationship. Maybe you're not happy in, in your living situation. Um, anything, any, at any point in your life, if you're not happy, guess what? We can get up and get going. Okay. It might not be feasible tomorrow morning. If you want to move to Australia, you might not be able to do it tomorrow morning. Okay. Right. <laughs> but you can make a plan and you can make it happen. And that's, I just, I think about it all the time. If, if I knew 30 years ago, how much I have, how many gifts, how many opportunities, how much I have right now, just sitting here, just me. Okay. I, my life would be totally different. But let's fast forward. I'm 41. I'm putting my life back together. And I'm grateful that I'm able to put my life back together. The message is where you are now is not where you have to be. You need to get up and get going in the direction that you want. And I used this for an, um, a motivational audio clip a couple years back with my buddy, um, Jay, Jay Mokuso. Um, he, he partners up with the Rambling Running Podcast. Super cool yeah. guys. They um, and Matt Chittum. And he had me do a motivational audio clip. And I said, listen, if I can wake up getting bit by bedbugs in a homeless shelter with my cell phone being stolen and not knowing where the next meal is coming from, if I can wake up and put myself in a position to be a productive member of society with gainful employment and my family proud of me and loving me again and, and, and meaningful relationships within my family and with my son and giving back to the community and caring about my health and fitness and putting my life back on track, everything from, to, from credit to finances to everything. If I can do that, then why can't you? Why yeah. can't you? Why can't you get up and make a change? I made the change. I was the worst of the worst. And I made the change. There's nothing special about what I did. I'm excited to be able to tell you that I did it so you can do it. 
That's an incredible message, Maurice. That's awesome. Um, again, this has been a super fun time. I do have one last question for you. I ask it to all my guests, so you've got to be you got to be asked it. You know, you're 41 years old. You've still got plenty of run streak days still to go, obviously, and you've got yep. plenty of life to live. But if you had, if you were to write your autobiography today, what would be the title and why? Um. I think it would have to be something like everything with some dots, some periods, and then more. Because even after everything, there's always more. And there's always more with Maurice. I like to say that. Um, so th it would be something like that, because I feel like I can touch on a lot of different things with my life experiences. And we touched on a lot in this podcast. I want to send you four billion virtual high fives, hugs, and, and everything, and fist bumps, because you're the man for making me feel special and having me on your podcast. I'm super, super excited that you let me ramble, ramble, ramble on about my, about my story, about sobriety and running and everything. I want to send everybody out there listening high fives, positive vibes. I really am out there on the streets every day cheering you on, whether you're walking, running, cycling, driving by. If you're, if you're, if you're battling right now with anything, whether it's self-esteem, whether it's depression, whether it's addiction, get up and move in a positive direction. Put yourself around positive people. Put yourself in a better situation. People that, that, are, that are in the light and not in the dark, I like to say. Negativity will not win any battles. Um, just get up. Change your circumstances. If, you, if you're really that unhappy, there's a lot in life to be happy about. We have a lot as individuals. We're wicked, wicked great. We're wicked fortunate to be able to just be able to get up and do whatever we want, basically. Right. And where can people follow you on this positive vibe train? Tell, tell, tell everyone your Instagram handle so you can so everyone oh, can Well, I know there's a big world outside of Instagram, but guess what? Marathon Panda Maurice lives at Marathon Panda Maurice on IG. Maurice, <laughs> L-O-W-M-A-N on Facebook. Um, I have Twitter, but I'm not that. I don't stay, stay up with it. So just the gram in the book for right now. Yes. Uh, and then check me out at Kia Battleboro. For any of your car needs, I'll put you in yes. the car of your desire. I love it. I love it. Awesome. <laughs> thank you Maurice. For my job and everything. <laughs> Maurice, thank you, man. This has been so much fun. I appreciate you coming on, telling your story. It's an incredible one. I appreciate it so much. And I don't want to keep you too much for, for that run you got going tonight. So thank you again so much. And we will definitely talk soon. All right. Thank you. Hope to talk to you soon, brother. All right. So there you have it, the Marathon Panda, 28-time marathon runner, over 1,700 days of continuous running. He's going to keep the streak going. Be sure to follow this guy on social media. I, he's definitely one of my favorite accounts that I follow because he always brings a smile to my face. Even if I'm having the worst of days, whether it be from work, whether it be from life, whatever's going on, I know I can always count on Maurice to bring a smile to my face. I encourage you all to go check him out. I encourage you to follow him along on his journey and it's just an incredible story. So I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Be sure, again, to follow him on Instagram at Marathon Panda Maurice for all things uh, Maurice and Marathon Panda. Be sure to follow us on Instagram as well. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head over to Instagram, follow us along at Normal Guy Lazy Eye for highlights of each week's episode, some bonus content. All of the above, we're, we're keeping it fresh on the Instagram. But thank you guys so, so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to never miss an episode. Hit that follow button. 
hit that like, subscribe, five stars, whatever you do for your favorite podcast. Be sure to do it for this one. And that's enough of the shameless plugs. I will see you all next week.